Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Jackson, welcome back. How was your vacation? It was lovely. I really had a great time. Where'd you go? I was in the western suburbs of Chicago. My buddy uh, has a golf tournament his family puts on every year. Charity golf tournament that me and all my friends like to go out and support. It's kind of like a little reunion we do. And it's uh, really fun. It was a perfect week. The weather was outstanding. Glorious. Oh, my God. How was was your ball striking? Uh, Solid. Yeah, solid. How far did that seven iron fly? A couple times it was it, it was it was touching the 160 marker. Oh, oh take God. that! I know everyone was you looking. Talk to your haters? Um, no, because I like to remain humble. I think so, uh, I think so. Yes, be humble. Some that some people lack is humility, accountability. So you, you taking a shot? <laughs> Nobody in particular, but hmm. there's some people who could use a little bit uh, an injection of humility, and that's what I'm going to do today. You're giving everybody an injection of humility. I'm certainly taking one myself, and if you'd like one. You know, join the, the the piddle patrol. Join the piddle patrol. Uh, t-shirts available at tmastlshop.com. Jackson, uh, I can't wait to see how you have constructed this Little Piddles weekend wrap-up sure. presented by Angry Beaver. Because, uh, number one, we gotta, we got to be out at 1040 because we have Jeremy Rutherford at 1045. Mm-hmm. Now, will we be out at 1040? No. I know we won't. You know we won't. Jeremy Rutherford knows we won't. There's a chance I get to Jeremy Rutherford at 10.56. Let's be honest about it. I don't have good time management. But here is the thing that makes Jackson's order for the Little Piddles weekend wrap-up presented by the wonderful people at Angry Beaver so intriguing to me. I think you can make a case for like four different leads. Oh, yeah. That's so a lot. where is Jackson going? It's time to find out. Welcome to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. <laughs> All right, let's get after it. Let's get it. This this is going to be the first thing I talk about. Adam Wainwright had himself a little ceremony. Adam Wainwright, do you agree? 314-399-9646. I think it's the right call. I think it's the right call. People might be more passionate about Missouri, might be more passionate about the NFL, might be more passionate about the Ryder Cup, but we're in St. Louis. It's Adam Wainwright. I think that's the right call. Yeah, I think I think so too. I mean, even like I talked about on TMA, but I know people sometimes only listen to this show or vice versa. Right. It's not something you're necessarily going to analyze. I'm going to be here talking about like I'm not judging Adam Wainwright's guitar ability, mm-hmm. but it is something that is, was really cool. And I know you know my father, who's a longtime Cardinal fan, Cardinal fan since he was three years old, and he's seventy years old now. He said it was extremely emotional for him for someone you know to watch Wainwright's speech and. The fans show him love. It was really, really cool for a season that has been the antithesis of cool. So in that sense, it was a nice ending to a wonderful career for a wonderful, not only a wonderful player, but a wonderful ambassador to not only baseball, but St. Louis as a whole. Nice. So that's why I went with it, number one. Okay. He had himself a little ceremony prior to the game. What would you make of the festivities and send-off for one of the greatest Cardinals of the 21st century? Do you see anyone on this team currently who would get that sort of or even close to that send-off? Uh, no, Arnado. Goldie, yeah. Nita, no, I didn't say that. I mean, what are you doing? Like Kevin Neal and Mr. Subliminal? 
I said, no, an Arenado, and then you go goalie. Well, I don't know. I was trying to maybe, like, nudge you. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I suppose, I, no, I, I actually don't, because, I mean, this is, you're talking about two decades. Right. Two decades. And also, and this is, this is just who Adam Wainwright is. It's not, it's not, it's credit to him. It's not a fault of Paul Goldschmidt's. But rarely, Adam Wainwright has like the personality of John Brebbia in the sense that he's just outgoing and, you know, self-deprecating and pleasant, except he's a guy that without some injuries and maybe a couple of more really good years could have been seriously considered as just strictly a baseball on the field Hall of Famer. I still think he could get in as a broadcaster uh, should that be the route he goes. So with that all said... Uh, I think it's his personality that also makes him super endearing. So uh, I don't think that that's what Goldschmidt, and he would be the first one to say it. That's not necessarily his thing. He's just a ball player. Um, and his, he's a ball player who will not have near as many years as Adam Wainwright did. And he also, Wainwright was a part of three different eras of Cardinal baseball. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. he was a part of at the tail end of the run that started in 2000. Then he was a part of the run that began in 09. And then he was a part of uh, the 19, 20, 21, and 22 teams. So he's a part of three chapters of the start of this century, which have been outstanding for Cardinal fans up until this year. So that sparks nostalgia plus his pleasant personality and his on-the-field greatness and his off-the-field kindness, and I think it will be tough to duplicate that, Jackson. There is my reasoning. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I thought it was also really cool to have Yadi and Albert out there, you know, because they had their ceremony about this time last year. Wayno was not part of that because he was going to play one more year, so to see all three of them, final chapter, the bookend is done, that era is over. It was like a very cool culmination of all of it. I thought that that was really well done by the Cardinals and Wainwright. I mean, Wainwright went out and did a concert. This guy's a Major League Baseball player and did a country concert on Saturday. Like, that's pretty awesome. So, that's why I made it the lead, Tim. I think it's the lead. I think it's the lead. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what you can good faith in this market on this station say would be the lead. Otherwise, I don't know. No, because you're right. Because certain pockets of people are into golf, football, hockey, soccer, and all of that is going on right now. This is a really cool kind of confluence of sports we're at right now, where baseball's wrapping up, and hockey's about to get started. All the while, football is in full swing, and we got the soccer team looking to make a playoff push here. Number one in the Western Conference clinched. Yeah, I mean this is a, and then on top of all of that, you got the Ryder Cup. This is. What a weekend in sports. That's why was. I couldn't wait to see how you were going to order this little Piddles weekend wrap-up. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Wayno first. And uh, now the real fun gets started when we go two, three, four. I mean, okay. What, what do you well, go I'm anxious to see what direction you choose to go. I'll answer anything. You ask me anything, I'll answer anything. All right, you want to go right now? Hey, B-Fib, Dogs is the lead. That's from the 314. Mm, dogs is not the lead in my opinion. Okay. Had it been like... Dog got into the playoffs at the last second, and then I would say it's the lead. But this, we've kind of seen this coming now for some time. Number one spot in the West. Yeah, I bet the team total over one and a half. Thank you, producer Joe. Yeah, that was a uh, that came all in the second half. I know. I was sitting at dinner mm. on Saturday night, <laughs> and I glanced at the score app. Right. Because I had a little taste. Right. On the doggies team total over one and a half, and I saw it was scoreless, and I go. Thanks, producer Joe. All right. Even though I was all over Nebraska getting 17 and a half against Michigan, yeah, that, that did me well. That didn't pan out. 
didn't get much of a sweat after the first eight minutes of the game. Not much. Uh, So, yeah, uh, they uh, put it on them in the second half. And then LAFC loses last night, number one in the Western Conference. Can't catch Cincinnati in the East. So if Cincinnati were to go to the MLS final, uh, the game would be in Cincinnati. But uh, if they can get there... We could see the whole thing decided right here in downtown St. Louis. Yep, and I'll have a question on that coming up in the weekend wrap-up. Uh, but, sir, I mean, the Klaus's, I think it was the third goal on the volley, was as good of a setup to a goal and finish as that I've was seen. A thing of beauty. I mean, that was, that was awesome. So, good for City. Super exciting to see them. I mean, this is a unique fall in St. Louis. Very unique fall. Obviously. Well, it's rare for the Cardinals not to be in the playoffs. Yep. It's rare for Missouri to be undefeated. Yep. And we haven't had an MLS team. So right. you got all those things going right. all at once. Right. And here comes the note. Hey, here comes the note. Voice. Skate boy skate. Skate boy skate. Dallas Stars, October 12th. That's what I got circled on my calendar. And then October 14th. Uh, they take on another team. Uh, the Coyotes. Mm-hmm. Um, that Jackson now begins listing franchises. <sighs> can't remember who the second game is again. Kraken. Yes! The Seattle Kraken. Did Ryder whisper that to you? No. No, he's proud of me, though. I can tell. <laughs> Fan of the week. Cole Komet of the Colorado that was Avalanche. Tough. The close, though. And shout out Cole Komet. He was balling out until the Bears folded up. <laughs> that was rough. <laughs> oh, you can't stop the Broncos. Uh, all right. It's 10-14. I guess I can't. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to find out what the second question is on the other side of the break. It's a little Piddles weekend wrap-up. It's got it. we got to have some college football. Uh, we got to have some Ryder Cup. And we got Jeremy Rutherford at 1045. He's going to be with us every Monday yeah. this year. Yep. All right, there you go. Uh, that's all coming up here on Balloon Party, driven by Mungan, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. On YouTube, uh, Jackson, we are on YouTube. You better believe it. The cameras here are sponsored by Air Alliance. Uh, they are the Team Studio Cams, Air Alliance Team Studio Cams. So. Come and watch us on YouTube. How Hi, good everybody. do we look? Yeah. Uh, and, of course, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What a weekend it was in the world of sports. It's time now for Lil Piddle's Weekend Wrap-Up. Presented by the Angry Beaver, a couple of blocks south of Bush Stadium. Mention Piddle's for $5 off any pizza. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. And you can watch us, of course, on YouTube. Airlines Team, that's the YouTube channel camera sponsor. You can watch us on the 101 ESPN YouTube channel. And, of course, listen on 101 ESPN. Go back and podcast, Dobbs Tire and Auto Center's podcast. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you for an hour. Jeremy Rutherford with us coming up at 1045 for his his first appearance of the 2023-2024 campaign. We are in the midst of the Little Piddles Angry Beaver Weekend Wrap-Up. What does Jackson go with second? I think he's going with college football in Missouri. That's what I think he's doing. So I'm out there. I'm out there. What are you going with? <clears throat> oh, a cough. The Miz- oh, the, the Celtics acquiring... Drew Holiday? Drew Holiday. No. If, you're, if, if we get a bonus fifth segment, I'll go crazy. But uh, the Missouri Tigers are red hot, and the offense actually looks like it can be effective when firing. 
What have you seen from the last year or even earlier this season that gives you confidence going forward in this current iteration of the Tigers? What is one aspect or some multiple aspects that could still hamstring the Tigers? Oh, such, a, such a odd phrasing. And I don't, know, I don't know if I'm expected, since this is a deposition, to answer it literally. Because the last year, well, I'd go, how about this defense? And then i go, boy, this offense, though. Right. But then if you go the first five games of the season, I'd go, how about this offense? Right. Defense a little concerning. It's, kind it's of been a total right. flip. Yeah. Um, I am a combination of stunned and incredibly thrilled, both for Brady Cook as an individual and also uh, for Missouri football fans, that Brady Cook, if Brady Cook would have had, and there's no, by the way, let me make it clear, I'm not doing the disrespect thing, but if Brady Cook had any preseason hype whatsoever, and he shouldn't have had any, no. but had he, he'd be in the mix for the Heisman right now. Right. Now, again, that means nothing. Uh, Missouri has played the 90th most difficult schedule out of 133 teams in college football and FBS. Um, however, interestingly enough, their projected strength of schedule is four. Mm-hmm. So that just shows how hard the next seven games are projected to be. We'll see how it all plays out. It starts this Saturday against an LSU team that is most likely out of the national championship picture before they even got to the month of October. But either way, you know, the whole talking point, which I think was justified, there's a lot of where are all the Brady Cook haters now thing going on on social media. Um, but what had you seen from Brady Cook after the Middle Tennessee State game, and that includes last year when he had a torn, torn shoulder labrum, to make you think he could do what he has done against K-State, against Memphis, and against Vanderbilt? So unless you're some kind of Nostradamus, it just it wasn't there. What What he did show he could do was run the football. Yeah. But what he's doing now is he's throwing it all over the damn place. And so what does that tell you? Well, it tells you, number one, how different he is now that he is not hurt, how much they worked on his throwing motion in the offseason to get it right, uh, what Luther Bird in the slot does for that offense. Nobody's really going to talk about the other wide receivers because unless you're Luther Burden, you're not really a household name, but you have Theo Weiss and you have Speedy Johnson out there, and that stretches the field. You said on TMA you call it taking your top off? <laughs> no, I was just Marquise Johnson is his move. Speedy. Yeah, Speedy. He, he takes the top off the defense. He's running go routes where the safety has to go help. And I think you have to credit the coaching staff and Eli Drinkwitz, number one, for having an offensive coordinator, whether he was forced to or not. He has one now, and he came in as a as a, an offensive coach, and he had to delegate. And so that has changed things. I believe I would love to get a spot where I could ask if they intentionally just sat on the ball, so to speak, in the first two weeks of the season, because what we're seeing right. against K-State, Memphis, and Vanderbilt a totally different offensive play call uh, setup than what it was the first two weeks. Either way, you have that going on. So what I anticipate coming into Saturday is a shootout. The forecast is great, so you don't necessarily sit there now with the weather. It could be in LSU can't stop anybody. They gave up 31 points at home to an Arkansas team that doesn't look very good. They gave up 50-plus in Oxford this past week. And Florida State put it on them pretty good to start the season in Orlando for that game. So uh, I I see no reason to think that this thing would be a low-scoring game. But then at the same time, 
sometimes odd things happen. Alabama's oh, yeah. offense now is firing all cylinders after only scoring two touchdowns against South Florida two or three weeks ago. Yeah, no, the opportunity is out there right now for Missouri because what Missouri does offensively certainly, in Missouri's case, complements what LSU does poorly. You know, they have a tackling problem. Luther Burden has a has a tackle shedding uh, success. He's elusive as the day is long. Yeah, so the, it would look like it is, but Missouri defensively to me, and I'm sure you're going to get into that as well, has some inconsistencies. I just don't know what's going on. I didn't yeah. see it. I know there's injuries. That's yeah. an important D-Rob. thing. I do know what's going on. That's that's that. And also, the secondary wasn't as healthy against Memphis. It's getting healthier now. You know, this is this is a huge opportunity. I think there are a couple things that are unfortunate relative to how it sh- shook out. We knew when we looked at LSU's schedule that there was a chance they would have a couple of losses. Yeah. Um, I'm sure in Baton Rouge they're not as understanding, but when you look at Florida State and you look at Mississippi State on the road, wound up being a nothing, um, Arkansas at home, and a trip to Oxford to start your season with a game against Grambling, it's the fourth hardest schedule in the FBS. And they're three and two. And I think if Missouri had that schedule, Missouri'd likely be three and two. And I think if LSU had Missouri's schedule, they'd likely be five and zero. Oh. LSU is a six point favorite. I'm sure some people go, how can they be a six-point favorite? Well, I would imagine strength of schedule is coming into play. Jaden Daniels is their quarterback. I cannot wait to see how the Missouri defense tries to handle him. Mm -hmm. Are they just going to go, we're just going to try to outscore him because they're going to score points, and we know it. The one thing, and I don't know, you know, a lot of you dig in on, on numbers, and maybe you can think of a team here that had national championship aspirations at the start of September and barring a miracle, and I mean a real miracle in 2023, because I think each conference is going to have somebody in the mix for mm-hmm. the college football playoff. Yeah. Oftentimes, either the Big 12 or Pac-12 doesn't. Right. Uh, and then you add in Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan in the Big 10, somebody out of the SEC, uh, along with the depth in the Pac-12, at least at the start of the season, and, and either Texas or Oklahoma will be undefeated with a win over Texas or Oklahoma after the Red River shootout. What a team that had aspirations for the national championship going into the start of the season, and then by the end of September has two losses, how they played the week following the air being let out of the balloon. Right, right. And I don't know if Brian Kelly is going to be able to convince those guys to get motivated for an 11 o'clock game in Columbia, Missouri, um, when they're not playing for a national championship, or if he is going to convince them, yeah, we got two losses, but one of them's non-conference, and we can still win the SEC West. And if we can win the SEC West, the SEC East might not be as dangerous because look at Georgia's trouble with South Carolina in the first half. Look at Georgia's trouble with Auburn in the first half. We could still win the SEC. So everything is still out there. Yeah, you lost in the final seconds at Ole Miss, and you lost against the top five Florida State Seminoles in what was essentially a road game in Orlando. But everything is still out there. Can he motivate those guys to bounce back? I think it would have been so much better for Missouri uh, if LSU would have won that game. Mm-hmm. They could perhaps have overlooked Missouri. Instead, now they're the one team that I think was in the top 15. Maybe, I guess, Clemson. I don't know how serious people take taking Clemson. Uh, that most likely is out of the national championship picture in the first weekend of October. And I also think it would have looked a lot better, of course, for Missouri if they beat a top 10 LSU as opposed to an LSU team that now is being perceived as a disaster. And Brian Kelly's under fire, even though he won the SEC West. 
So, you know, the 11 o'clock kickoff, two, two loss LSU team is not what my LSU fantasy was. No. And that's, uh, that's unfortunate, but still, it's an opportunity for Missouri to be 6-0, and and that would be 6-0 uh, and for the first time since 2013. Yep. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I would think that LSU will come out with the mindset and Brian Kelly, especially because you go, you're a coach at one of those big brand name schools, LSU, Auburn, Alabama, Georgia, Tennessee. The leash can get pretty short there. And I mean, we saw what happened with Ed Orgeron the year after putting together one of the best football teams in college football history. So it can be short there. He doesn't have, I don't think he has the room to be like, oh, this is a dud season. Like winning the SEC. they would whack him after this year? No, no. Okay. I'm, but I'm saying that. I mean, he did just win the SEC West. Right. But Ed Orgeron had won the national championship. And there was more to that than on the Certainly, field, certainly. But I'm just saying that the leashes are shorter there and you don't want to give them any ammunition for when the day comes when it's should we fire our coach. Winning as many games as possible in conference is as important as it gets when you're one of those big brand name schools. And if you're trying to turn the season around still think you could win the SEC West, the place to do it is on the road against a ranked team. So I think they're going to come out ready to play. I, I would expect it, unfortunately. Right. I wanted them to win for so many different reasons. Right. And uh, by the way, I was talking about the schedule, and I know it became a hot topic of arguing amongst the uh, the fine people on the opening drive, Randy Carricker, Kerry Davis, Brooke Grimsley, and Matt Rocchio. And Kerry was like, they're Mizzou. I mean, it's just not the brand. And I thought they would exercise the six-day window on Missouri and LSU and Alabama and A&M and Kentucky and Georgia. I think if they would have done that, which I still think they could have slash should have, I think probably Kentucky-Georgia now with Kentucky's win over Florida Mm -hmm. and Georgia having some of the issues they had with Auburn. They were fortunate to win that game. Uh, That would have been the 230 game. Alabama and A&M would have been the night game and Missouri-LSU would be the 11 o'clock. Outcome's still the same. But, I mean, that's with an LSU loss. Uh, The only team that lost, correct? Yeah. In the SEC? Yeah, of those six six opponents. The only team that lost wound up being LSU. So the chances of Missouri having game day were, were slim. They needed Texas or Oklahoma to lose, probably both. Right. And and ideally, LSU would have been undefeated and ranked like number two, and Missouri somehow would have been ranked like 15th, and, and maybe it gets there. But uh, I don't think it was ever even in question for Missouri to have college game day. They will be at the Red River Shootout no for doubt. the record. Uh, 10.30 in St. Louis is time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Uh, attention Scott Air Force Base. For service members, their families, and anyone currently on base, you can join the Fast Lane this Thursday for a special Military Appreciation Live broadcast, 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. It's a special Fast Lane Military Appreciation Live broadcast this Thursday from 2 to 6 on base at the Exchange. It's Scott Air Force Base brought to you by Budweiser and Air Comfort service heating and cooling that's the fast lane this thursday live from the exchange at scott air force base all right we will continue with the little piddles weekend wrap-up brought to you by angry beaver and of course jeremy rutherford with us at 10 45 all of that coming your way here on balloon party driven by munganas st louis acura and alton toyota live on 101 espn and on youtube 
All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party 101 ESPN. It's presented to you by Munganess, St. Louis Acker, and Alton Toyota. You can watch us on the Air Alliance Team cameras on YouTube. And uh, Jeremy Rutherford is going to be joining us coming up in about 10 minutes here on the program. We are in the midst of the Little Piddles Weekend Wrap-Up, and that's presented to you by the wonderful people at Angry Beaver. And this is question three. Is this four? This is question three. Nice. The Ryder Cup was as eventful as I have ever seen, even with Europe putting the whooping on the USA early. What was your favorite part of the weekend festivities? What did you make of the Rory Joe LaCava situation? Well, Jackson, I watched all of it. Yeah. I really did. Yeah. Uh, well, all of it on Saturday and Sunday. My favorite part was for about a half hour or 45 minutes yesterday morning, the United States was in it. Mm-hmm. And it was... Board was red. Compelling. Yeah. It was, it was live. Oh, yeah. And that was super fun because I thought there was a real opportunity for a comeback. Um, then uh, Tommy Fleetwood uh, hits a drive about 300 some odd yards to, I don't even know, 25 feet. feet. Yeah. And, uh, and Ricky Fowler hits his ball. He had hit before Fleetwood hits his ball in the water. And uh, that'll, that'll pretty much wrap it up. And the drama was immediately gone. That and, sucked. And that sucked. Yeah. Because that would have been... Absolutely, that would have been a world class comeback. Yeah. Uh, the vast majority of people, I'm sure, were more captivated by what went on with the hat thing with Pat- Patrick Cantlay, Joe LaCava, who was at one point Fred Couples' caddy, then became Tiger Woods' caddy when he won the Masters in 2019, and now Patrick Cantlay's caddy. Uh, standing in the vicinity of Rory McIlroy as he tried to line up a putt to uh, have the hole after Cantlay had sunk his miracle birdie putt. And then the video of Rory McIlroy charging at Bones, the former Mickelson caddy, now Justin Thomas caddy, outside as everybody was leaving the golf course. And then that's what turned into the thing that transcended sports. And for a lot of people who didn't care about the Ryder cup, they were paying attention because of that. Uh, Europe claimed they used it as motivation. The United States claimed they used it as motivation. I just don't buy into it. It makes for good media stuff. It's kind of like super bowl week. You're there. And in reality, having gone to super bowls and golf tournaments, majors, the reality is, and I don't think this will be all that shocking as a media guy, a member of the the proletariat class, right. uh, you're just happy to be there. Usually you're in a world-class city for Super Bowls. Usually there have been a handful where you go, what are we doing here? Um, in this case, you're in Rome. Right. Pretty You've nice. got to fill time. Yeah. And so you create narratives. I mean, five days ago it was Wyndham Clark said he thinks he can beat Rory McIlroy. Well, I mean, you know, he did win the U.S. Open. It's not necessarily that... Right. That 
egregious to say that, but you have to fill time. And I just, it's so every week there's a Super Bowl controversy. Well, why is there a controversy? Because there's a bunch of people there who were thrilled that they're at the Super Bowl. Yep. You know, yep. when in reality it's it's a vacation, except we'll do the show on remote in the morning or we're a writer and we're just going to, you know, hang out and, and, and create controversy. And I just, I, I roll, I roll my eyes. And so the, the stuff about, well, their room was tighter than the other. When you're standing over a putt, whether or not you're getting along with everybody on the team is so irrelevant. Whether or not you hit the ball in the face of the golf club has nothing to do with that. It's such an overused narrative that I think is more media creation than anything. Uh, the reality of this event is if you play at home, you're going to win. And that's that's because they set up the golf courses to, to benefit them. Um, nonetheless, I find it to be incredibly entertaining. And I was entertained Big this time. weekend in particular with the late Saturday uh, afternoon in Rome and uh, the singles matches yesterday. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I was up uh, early on Sunday watching it. Uh, really would love to see Scotty Scheffler. This Scheffler versus Rom. I mean, that's a world class one two. You know, it's a heavyweight battle, and he had an opportunity to get a full point. Kind of bladed the chip long on eighteen. Well, and, he nearly went in the water. Yeah, which would have been. A I know it was in a bad lie, but either way. Yeah, I mean, Europe stole a bunch of points on that 18th green, and that, that played a role, a yeah. significant role, on, yeah. on Friday. And then, of course, yesterday with the scheffler Rob match. Listen, I, 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 I'm well aware that most people don't give a damn about, like, a lie on a chip, so I'm not going to spend much time on it or strokes gained around the green or, you know, choosing players who can hit fairways because that appeals to, like, 1% of the, the audience. What people care about is the United States. Uh, against Europe and why the United States loses and or the fight with LaCava and Rory McIlroy and what went on there. And that's good entertainment. It's WWE theater. I like it. I love that stuff. Oh, yeah. I great. absolutely love that stuff. I'm bored by the our room gets along, our room doesn't get along. Over analysis. I mean, I, I've, I've, I know I've told the story before that the, the 2006 Cardinals did not get along. Did not get along. That is a firsthand conversation I had with Jim Edmonds going into the playoffs. We talked the weekend before that Brewers series, which they had to win, and I think Scott Spezio had a big hit. They didn't get along. Now, they bonded while they started winning, but they did not get along. Uh, I'm sure those of you who are older can think back to Reggie Jackson and Billy Martin like fighting each other <laughs> at the Yankee Stadium. Right. Uh, the 1986 Mets considered up there with like the 85 Bears as far as a benchmark team and how much crap they had going on. You, you compete because that's what you are. You are born to try to beat the opposition. And yeah, it's a lovely story. If guys get along, I would say winning breeds chemistry more often than chemistry breeds winning. I like that. I like that a lot right there, Tim. Thank you. Well, like you know, I almost graduated from the Missouri Journalism School. Yeah, and it shows. Uh, Thank you. I love the venue, too. I thought I thought it was perfect. That golf course is The money. final few holes had... Perfect. I mean, it really was. A drivable par four uh, on 16. A tasty little par three on 17. With that pin location on 17 where you're penalized if you miss to the left, and then uh, a gettable par five, but a par perfect. five with a lot of risk on the right side and water on the left side. I mean, yeah. I'm going super golf nerd here, but and it was 600 yards, and guys are reaching it with irons. I mean, it's just... Yeah, it's a different game they play over there. Holy crap. But uh, yeah, it was great. I couldn't get enough of it. Uh, you know, Zach John, whoever's the captain that loses gets his blame. Yep, that's so. I was talking on TMA, Dan Rappaport, who does the barstool stuff, but he's been a golf journalist for a long time, is really good. It's like, this is every year. The captain who wins is a genius who paired everyone up correctly, and the guy who loses is an idiot who 
paired everyone up wrong. At the end of the day, whoever's playing the best is playing. Like Victor Hovland is playing like a world number one, so he went out and played like a world number one. Rory is playing at the top of his game because he's playing at the top of his game. It has nothing to do with because he was paired up with you know Bob McIntyre. The U.S.'s best two-man team became... Brian Harmon, who I would imagine half the audience doesn't know, and I'm, that's not a that's not a shot. I'm just saying he's not a, he's not a household name like no. a Brooks Kapka or a Scotty Scheffler, uh, Roy McIlroy or John Rahm, and Max Homa, who also isn't really a household name unless you follow golf. Yeah. Follow golf, you go, okay. Well, Max Homa's a surging star, and Brian Harmon won the Open, and everybody's going, why is he sending those guys out there? Well, they went two and zero on Saturday. And then he sent out Brooks Kepka and Scotty Scheffler, and they were catching hell for not sending Kepka out in the early morning on Friday, and they lose nine and seven. Nine and seven. That's a beat they down. were down nine holes after the 11th. That's the math. Yeah. It's and they were done. Yeah. So that's what you had Scotty Scheffler weeping about. So I just, you know, I'm, when I'm over a shot, and there can be some nice amount of money on it. I'm not thinking about, do I get along with my partner? I think about my Venmo. That's what I think about. Yeah, and, that, and you're right to think about that. Too. Thank you. It always goes back to Venmo. Jeremy Rutherford's going to join us on the other side of the break. Our first conversation with him for the 2023-2024 season. JR next here on Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Notes and Nuggets. It's time for the Rutherford Report with our Blues Insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN and on YouTube via the Airlines team cameras. Watch us on YouTube and see what Jackson's wearing, and I think he looks sporting. I couldn't agree more. You know who else couldn't agree more? Jeremy Rutherford. What's up, Jer? Yeah, he's uh, he's hot. I walked by the uh, morning after booth the other day and took a peek in there just to get my Jackson fix. Yeah. Is that right? You know, he's in a tiny little closet, as is the program. <laughs> we're, we're, we're adjacent to the restroom, and, and when people uh, use it, oftentimes we can hear what's doing. Yeah, it is a tiny room. I don't think that I could fit in there, but Jackson, you know, being the Ledoux <laughs> yeah. lad yeah. Uh, with a lot of hair, he, he fits in there fine. He but, does. Uh, yeah, He's that's... thriving with that hair. Uh, on HD2, we broadcast out of basically the uh, Vanderbilt away locker room. Oh, that's a nice you know, callback. Just t- <laughs> tents attached to whatever building. That's nice. Yeah, that's we nice can broadcast call. from anywhere. That's that's the ability we have. Uh, Jim Rutherford is going to be with us every Monday this hockey season, and this is the first of many appearances. Uh, and, uh, Jr., I want to get your perspective on what you have seen so far uh, with a combination of a handful of games and also with camp that stands. If somebody said, you know what, this this is a little surprising, what would you say? Yeah, I think things are, are coming along. I think that uh, they have another preseason game tonight, uh, two more after this, so three to get ready for next week's opener in Dallas. And, you know, kind of looking at the big picture, Tim, I'm sure we'll get into some detail. You know, I think they're implementing some things offensively, defensively. You know, listeners will probably be glad to hear that they're implementing things defensively. Uh, but I think that it's nuanced stuff that's probably a little hard to describe and you're going to want to see it on the ice, but the players, I think, are getting used to it right now, and that's where their focus is on the defense. A couple of players said that after the game uh, the other night, that maybe they're not getting a ton of shots on net, and that's what Craig Bruby's been looking for here lately, and that's because they're kind of focused on that defensive end. So 
uh, I think that's the thing that we're all going into the season looking at, Tim, is how are they going to play defensively? Because if that's not there with this unit, we're seeing the same type of play from these top four as we did last year. It's just not going to work. So let me uh, let me pose this. We'll, we'll take two different ends of the uh, the line of thought here with, uh, what, about 10 days from the start of the season against the Stars. So skeptics might wonder why they should feel good about this team that did very little to address the end-of-the-year group that featured fewer weapons with uh, Tarasenko, O'Reilly, and Barbashev all shipped out before the trade deadline. Um, what would you tell a skeptic? Not that it's your responsibility. You're not doing PR for the team, but just for the purpose of the conversation. Yeah, well, I think for the skeptics, and, and believe me, they're right to feel that way after what we saw last year. I, I just feel, and I've said this before, uh, this preseason, that I think there's just a different vibe with this team. And, and you went into last year, you had the contracts for Kyrou Thomas. You know, some of the veterans were uh, thinking, okay, that could be my money, you know, whether it be O'Reilly, Tarasenko, so on and so forth. And there's just a, a, a difficult vibe. I always felt like Tarasenko had one leg out the door. Where was he going to go next? What was going to happen with O'Reilly? And so I think the, the feel around the locker room is completely different. Then you add on top of that, Braden Chen's your new captain. I think everybody felt that that was the right choice, and he's just kind of taken charge and said, we're going to play with pride. And I, I, so I think from an intangible standpoint, just uh, looking at it from, from that perspective, this is a much better feel. And then you start to talk about some of the uh, players that are in here on prove-it kind of situations. Kapanen, you know, can he, can Verana, can these guys – earn bigger contracts they've got the skill they've got the capability you bring in a kevin hayes who's looking forward to a a change of scenery uh how can he help this team and then you bring in the assistant coach on defense mike weber can he be the guy who gets more out of this defense so you know i don't think you're going to prove anybody who is a skeptic coming into this season that the team uh, can be any better because uh, they didn't make a lot of changes especially on defense but i think when you start to look at the different feel that I talked about, and then kind of the different look on defense. There's a little reason for optimism there, I think. Jeremy Rutherford with us. He'll be with us every Monday on Balloon Party here on 101 ESPN and on the Air Alliance team. Cameras on YouTube talking it over regarding the weekend that was for the Blues when the season gets underway here in 10 days in Dallas and then at home against the Kraken a week from Saturday. The analytical models are not high on the Blues coming into this season. I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the same group of defensemen that played a role in the downfall last year. Uh, what are your thoughts on on that? How much of that do you think holds true, and where can you poke some holes in it if you are so inclined? Yeah, well, like some uh, some readers and, and listeners will say that uh, the analytics didn't bode well for the Blues in 2019, and, and they won a Stanley Cup. But no, these models you know, work at times uh, for a reason because there's a lot of input. And I think that uh, the input uh, that, that went into it last year spoke to a low point total as well. And, and that's what happened. So I think you can have some belief in, in what some of the numbers, underlying numbers tell you. Uh, I look at this defense, and to me, and I'm going to write about it for tomorrow, I think, at The Athletic, uh, you look at this defense, how is it going to shake out? I mean, Doug Armstrong said back in the summer, that they were going to keep eight defensemen. And the reason being, you look at the situation, Tyler Tucker has to go through waivers. Scott Pernovich has to go through waivers. Those are two guys you probably don't want to expose. You look at Kylie Rosen, who might be the ninth defenseman in the Blues' minds, but he was one of their better defensemen last year. So, you know, obviously they're going to give these top four uh, another shot with Pareko and Letty and Krug and Falk. But how do you look at uh, those next four defensemen? Who's going to be on the roster opening night and who's going to be in the lineup paired together? Because you're talking about very different players. Obviously, Scott Pernovich, 
is a puck mover. You got Bortuzzo, a stay-at-home guy. You know what you're going to get from him. Scandella. A lot of people don't like Scandella and what he's done the past couple of years, but he can help you on the penalty kill, which is another area where they need some help. And do you need to get Tyler Tucker some playing time? He's a six-round pick who's shown some toughness. The Blues need that in their lineup. So I'm going to be very interested to see where this goes defensively. JR, final question. Uh, what have you seen from the goaltenders this uh, preseason? Yeah, really good, Tim. Nothing to be alarmed with at this point in the season. Obviously, haven't played that opener in Dallas yet, but in the preseason, really good. And, and I like the way the depth, depth stacks up. I wrote about this the other day. You got a Jordan Bennington who has looked solid. You're bringing in a 23-year-old backup, Joel Hofer. You know, doesn't have a lot of NHL experience, but in the limited experience he, he does have, he's looked really good. Uh, they bring in Malcolm Subban, wrote about him the other day. He comes in, not very good numbers last year in the Buffalo organization, but he's looked great in camp. And then you have Vadim Zarenko. So those are your top four in the way it shakes out. Bennington, Hofer, Subban would probably be your call-up. And then Zarenko, who looks like he's got a lot of potential as a, a prospect coming up. So um, we've we'll got to get into the game action for sure, get into the real action but the goalies are stopping the puck right now. Jeremy Rutherford every Monday here on Balloon Party, and uh, we'll look forward to talking it over with him. 10.45 every Monday, Jackson? I mean, is that is that in ink? That's the plan, baby. <laughs> Sounds good, and the best part about that for everybody is that I am not on YouTube because I'm not on the station. I'm on the phone, so you don't have to look at uh, Big JR here. I'd like to put you up on Zoom. Jackson, do we have that technology? You're able to do it with Lisa Ann every Friday. I don't see why not. Have you shared a bed with JR? No. But, you know, I'm only 25, so, so much time left to live. <laughs> I just wanted to hear Chicago's response. And it was nothing. a combination of a sigh, and I think I'm losing my connection. That's what I heard. Oh, I just, I don't know. I, I, I listen to the other show, so I know about trips uh, to uh, the Bahamas. And Jamaica. That's where Jackson shared a bed with Lisa. Yeah, JR, what's yeah. your availability in February for maybe uh, Caraco? Yeah. Caraco. I'd lay with Jackson in, in Jamaica and we'd just read a book like you did with uh, Lisa. It's a good book. I'd do it again. That's a that's a nice way to finish the segment. JR, looking forward to talking with you every Monday here on the program. Thank you so much. See you, boys. There he is. That's Jeremy Rutherford with us here on Balloon Party. BK and Ferrario are up next. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Manganass, St. Louis, Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.